Here's the uh, senior vice president and general manager of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Here's Dave Nonis. Hello, David. How are you? Good, gentlemen. How are you? Long time no talk. How was your summer? Uh, it was good. A little long, but uh, but it was good. Good to get back at it. Yeah. Um, just in general terms. So last night the Toronto Maple Leafs played their first exhibition game against the Flyers in uh, in London. Given um, the rosters of the two teams, given the fact that guys have only been on the ice a short period of time, what do you learn from a game like that? Well, I think there's, there's a couple things. Both teams had a fairly young lineup, and uh, you, you want to see how the younger players step up and play, uh, particularly the guys who've had more than more than one year under their belt. So for Josh Levo, that's you know this is really his second year under contract. Did he take a step? Uh, did Stuart Percy take a step? Did they could they compete against some of the you know the better players, uh, some of the NHL caliber players? And you want to measure that. And then guys who are fighting for jobs, you know, you know, uh, Corbinian Holzer, who kind of has been of a forgotten man a little bit. Um, you know, he stepped up and had an excellent maybe the game, maybe the best game we've seen him play. So the guys who are on the bubble that really are trying to find. Uh, work at the NHL, you know, even guys who've been around. You want to see how they, you know, how they perform in camp because uh, you know there's eight games. You're going to take advantage of them or you're not. And the guys who stepped up front, um, they'll get more games to play. Hey, David, it's Ken Reed here. You guys made a lot of headlines in the off season with bringing in some young numbers guys for the management team. I'm wondering um, if you guys are using this preseason as a chance, as as upper management, to find out how to work together and and if. The evaluation of players is any different as far as uh, as far as things go for you? Well, it, it is, but not on a game-to-game basis. You know what what they're looking for are long-term trends. So, you know, last night's game, for example, wouldn't be. You know, we're not going to break that down and mm-hmm. and say we're going to make decisions based on that. But um, in in terms of long-term decisions and maybe even players that come up on waivers or potential trades, uh, yeah, that those are those are areas that will be discussed uh, and in detail for sure. Is it something new for you to get used to, to to have this discussed, or was it always something that you kind of looked no. at anyways? At this level, it's it's definitely new. You know, we we did look at it. We had uh, you know we had uh, programs in house that we ran. Um, I would say that they were you know they were in their infancy compared to what Kyle and his group are are putting out. Um, so it's not totally new, but mm-hmm. at this level, no question, it's you know they've gone a lot further than we we had, had gone in the past. Yeah, but as an old school guy, I mean, how do you? And I I mean I I say that respectfully. Um, I mean I'm one of those too. I, I have a hard time assimilating all of the stats that now come out of baseball, for example. we got all these young people who follow baseball with all these numbers that I, I, I can't assimilate. And, and I'm wondering, is it, are you working through that? It, and, and when push comes to shove, do you trust your eyes and your own judgment, or do you trust a bunch of numbers on a piece of paper? Well, I think that we're way behind, behind baseball. Um, and I think even the guys who are into it... Um, and that are producing these numbers would tell you that that we're way behind baseball. But you know, it, there are things there that um, and trends that you look at that are that are helpful, Bob. Um, but I think it's how it's presented to you. And one of the reasons why um, you know why we liked Kyle and and how he could discuss it is he could present it to us in a way that was easier for people like you and me to understand. And you know, I had a lot of people come through here over the course of the last 24 months that were probably very bright people, but they couldn't they couldn't make sense of it to me. Maybe to them it made made sense, but to to anyone in our office it didn't. And you know, Kyle's been able to take the same kind of information and 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 talk about 
trends and how it can help us moving forward. But there's a lot more to it, and there's going to there'll be a lot of time that we need to spend um, kind of sinking ourselves into it before I'm very comfortable with it. But I think there's something there, and I think it's going to help us. So you know, again, for the uneducated um, and the dinosaurs like me and me, uh, are we? <laughs> are you using this as a tool of evaluation? Are you using this as a tool for teaching? It's it's more a tool for evaluation and for coaching. Um, well, so then it's both, really. Well, yeah, like coaching. You know, there's there's some there's some trends that the coaches can look at as well. You know, player X has having certain success playing with these two types of players, but he's having more success with these two, even though they might may not be guys that you would expect him to have success with. So there, those are things you might look for going forward. Um, different types of people that that excel with uh, with others, and so from a coach's standpoint, you know that that's something that we're going to present to them, and and they can look at it. And and this is more than just numbers on a piece of paper, then. So it's yeah. not just goals and assists and possession time and. It goes even beyond that stuff? Correct, yes. So, Dave, this is obviously, the way I look at it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is more a tool for a coach because you can't really teach a player these things that these stats are showing, but more or less you can tell a coach, well, this guy's more useful in this situation or he may fit in better with this player. Is that correct or am I way off base? No, I don't think you're way off base. And I think there's probably some applications for players as well, but that mm-hmm. we're, we're, not, we're not there yet. We're nowhere near that. I think... You know, I, I think this is going to be. Uh, this isn't something that's going to evolve over a month or two. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be year after year where we see some long-term benefits. From a coaching standpoint, I think that you know, there are some some ways that this will help us this year. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, I took an astronomy course in college, and the professor said, "This is constantly evolving. What I'm going to tell you, 90% of it is wrong, but the 10% that is right is really good." So, yeah. so I said, does that mean I only have to get 10% of my test? Is, and the answer to that, cool? and, this, and the result of that was you can go to sleep for 90% of his lecture. Yeah, and I had to take the course twice, so go figure, you know. Um, Dave, can I ask you about uh, William Nylander, a young guy, your first-round pick? You're gonna, you guys are going to throw him on a line with, with Phil Kessel. When it's a young guy you just throw out in, in a preseason game like that, early in the preseason, what do you look for as, a, as the GM? Well, there's, he, he's had a, a good first couple of days, and we... we can't get too caught up and excited about that. We, you know, I'm, we're happy that he's he's played well. He's had two good scrimmages, but um, they're just scrimmages. So mm-hmm. we, we need to see him play against against men and against uh, an opposition that that's you know really trying to hit him and really trying to to play him hard um, and see if he can if he can handle it. Uh, from a skill standpoint, I don't think there's any question that he has the ability to do that. Um, you know, we played him in the scrimmages with uh, with Phil and Contiola, um, two two skilled guys. And you know, sometimes your two linemates carry you. Uh, this wasn't the case. He, he kept up. He was a big part of you know some of the offense that they created. Um, so he he can he can do it. He can play with those types of uh, players. But when when push comes to shove, and he's got a you know. He's got a Chara yeah. trying to, to to play him. How is he going to react to that? You know, he's never going to he is never going to outstrength him. So uh, he's going to have to find a different way. And and he may be ready to do that at 18. And he may he may need more time. And so he's going to be playing with with good players um, in the preseason. Uh, someone said, you know, does he have to play his way off the team? No, I think when you're a rookie, you have to play your way on. And, mm-hmm. and he's going to have to have a, a good camp here. And if he does, good for him. Then we've got some decisions to make. Based on everything I've heard, and it's only secondhand information, um, he has all the, the um, 
the skill attributes that you would want, certainly at this level as an 18-year-old. I guess the question becomes, or correct me if I'm wrong, is he physically mature enough to handle 82 games and the kind of pounding that you inevitably take in the National Hockey League? And, and, and how do you feel about that? Well, I think that's right. I mean, he, uh, he's um, the smaller players have to find a way of, of, of getting around that. And, and many of them do. Most of them do. You know, Jaden Schwartz in St. Louis, that's a heck of a player. He's not a very big man. Uh, but he's found, he's found a way to uh, become an impact player. And some of that is experience and, and knowing you have to do things a little differently. Um, yes, William's a lot quicker than most of his peers, but he's not when he steps on an NHL sheet. So there's got to be something else that he's going to have to bring to the table. His strength, just just uh, by virtue of him getting older, is going to get better. He works hard. He's already improved that area since we drafted him. Is it enough? I mean, I, I think we'll I think we'll be able to tell um, after four or five exhibition games whether th- this is a a situation that's good for him. We're not in the position to bring him in to play, you know, eight minutes a night. Um, or sit out every second game. That that's not what he should be doing. If he can come in and make a meaningful impact on our team, um, then then that'd be great to have him. Um, anybody who saw Wayne Gretzky and Civies, or um, specifically in the room after a game, and look, I'm talking about arguably the best players ever played in the National Hockey League. So I'm not trying to make that comparative, but um, Wayne Gretzky was not exactly a physical specimen. He was a waif of a guy who probably shouldn't have been able to achieve what he achieved based on the stereotypes that we all apply to professional athletes. Is Nylander a guy who you think will fill out, strengthen, grow, and, and need, maybe needs to do that over the next few years? Or is he the kind of player who, like a Gretzky, I'm not making the comparison, you understand, like a Gretzky, that's not really the issue here. He's never going to be big and strong. It's never going to be his forte. Which guy is he? Well, he's never going to be big and strong, but I think even if, even if he does manage to stick, that he's going to have to get stronger long term. Um, because the way he plays, he does go into traffic. He, he's not he's not afraid to dig for pucks. Um, you know, he's going to be playing along the wall if he's playing the wing. Uh, so his strength is going to have to get to to get up there, and again, he's willing to put the the work in and and time. He has grown. Uh, you know, if you looked at him a year ago, he, you know, he's probably put on a couple of inches. Um, so there, there's a lot of things he can do. But the the other side of it is he's never going to turn into you know a two fifteen two fifteen pound no course pounding winger. So the other part of his game is going to have to be his skill and his, and his brain and and uh, those are attributes that you can't teach he's those are god-given abilities and and he's fortunate to have them dave i like the fact that we're talking about a kid with skill because if you go back i don't know 15 10 15 years it seems size was always the first thing that people talked about about a scoring kid in junior was there a can you pinpoint a time i mean we got guys like you know tyler sagan in the league now ryan nugent hopkins they're not giants but they're big contributors can you pinpoint a time as a guy in the front office when you maybe stopped looking at size as such an important thing, or, or ha- has that time actually come yet? No, I think it's. I think you're looking at players that can make an impact. And mm-hmm. if if you had a if you had a a, a six foot two uh, player available in this draft that had the same skill set as as William, mm-hmm. then William would have been picked by someone else. I mean, if you have if you have size and skill, 
you're probably that's you're probably going to be ahead of the game. But you can't just discount a player because he's a little bit smaller. And you know, we were talking to a couple people earlier today. There's some pretty good players picked in this draft that were picked in the you know the top ten or twelve. You know, you've got William, you've got Ehlers, you've got Fiala. Mm-hmm. Um, those are very good players, and and none of them are are giants. So teams made the determination that they could those players could step in and contribute and uh, that the size wasn't going to be a factor because their skill level was so high. When did that change? Because I'm thinking if you if you went back to the mid-90s and a guy like an Ehlers or a Nylander was available, he probably wouldn't go in the top 15 in the, in the first round. Well, you're right. Those guys often went later. Um, you know, going back to guys that I grew up with, I mean, Cliff Ronning was a pretty good hockey mm-hmm. player, and I think it took him to being picked into the – into the ninth or tenth round back then to go. So you're you're right. Um, it was harder for those players to make it, um, and I, I think that uh, the game has evolved a little bit. It's it's as as good as the game was 25 years ago. Um, you know, you watch it now and and you compare it. The skill level is is much higher, and uh, you really can't win without it. It's it's uh, you you might be able to compete with a a big grinding team, but at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to win. Uh, with Dave Nonis, the general manager and senior vice president of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Change is an inevitability, um, and you will have a change in your roster this year. Um, are you comfortable with the amount of change that you expect? And I know you're not going to sit here and tell us who you have um, on your depth chart and in what exact position, and that may change over the next couple of weeks, probably will a little bit. Um, is there a comfort level with the amount of change that uh, you're going to institute? Are you and are you cautious about too much change? I think you have to be cautious about too much, but we've you know we're going to have a lot. The year you know we may have six, seven new players on our team, and you're talking about you know approximately thirty percent of your roster, right? And that's a that's a big that's a big change. It's a lot of turnover, um, and. You know, you can always look for more and more, uh, but at some point, are you taking away some of the possible strengths of your team? Um, you know, we felt that there was there was some change needed. We've we've added different pieces, different types of players. Um, that we we wanted the change to to affect the competitiveness of the group. Um, and I think if you don't change some people, you don't change some. Some players, that's hard to do. Um, you know, bring in some some more people in that are looking for ice time. That has a, a a pretty big effect on the competition. All right, Dave. Speaking of change, I, I know it's not the this it's not the sexiest name that was out there, but a player like Daniel Winnick, what does he do for a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs? He, he does a lot. He's a very good penalty killer. He's played on uh, second line, third line, fourth line last year, so he can move up and down the lineup. Uh, he's 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 not uh, uncomfortable playing with different styles of players. Um, you know, if you look at uh, at, at where the the uh, Ducks used him, you know, he was out a lot, uh, starting in his own zone. You know, so they often used him to get the puck out of the zone. Uh, he's a very good he's a very good teammate. I mean, here's a guy that that come in here and uh, had a, an impact on our group uh, through camp. I mean, a local guy, but um, you know he. He's a he's a veteran now. He's been around a, a number of different organizations, and you know I think he's going to be a big part of this. Actually, I think he's one of the you know may not be the biggest uh, salary we brought in, but it may have one of the biggest impacts. Uh, your coach is back, but the rest of the staff is uh, is gone. Um, changes in the front office. Stylistically, um, in terms of approach, 
by the head coach, how he will coach the kind of game this team will play. Will we see a difference, do you think? Yes. You know, again, one of the things that we wanted to do was give him the option of having uh, four lines that he could compete with uh, against any other team's lines. In other words, we would want to be a two-line or two-and-a-half-line team, uh, you know, riding your top players for 82 games. We wanted to have, uh, you know, players that were uh, he could play all over the lineup. And, and by giving him more options, um, we can be a, a, a deeper team. We can play four lines. Um, we can move players around. I think last year that um, Randy didn't necessarily have those options all the time, whether it was because of uh, injury or, or lack of depth. But you know, he felt he was forced to play um, people too much. And, and I agree with him. I think that that was you know part of our, our issues last year. So I think we are going to be more of a four-line team. I, I, I would expect we're going to be more of an up-tempo team, and our back end looks different. I mean, you've got went from one right shot to uh, three, possibly four. Um, I think uh, adding Robot on Pollock changes the dynamic dramatically in the back end. Um, every team pretty much has six guys, for, you know, first six, the top six forwards. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs were, no real, uh, were not really different. Um, in order to balance those third and fourth lines, does this organization contemplate taking somebody that might have been on that first or second line and moving to the three or four? If you're going to rotate and you're going to try and get, uh, you know, uh, equalize ice time as much as you can through the long haul, that's one of the ways you can do it. Is that on the table? Well, that's definitely on the table. Um but I, I think you're not necessarily going to equalize the ice time. You're no, not I get to, that. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, but I, you're, you're going to have the ice has to come from somewhere. You're right, and and um, if if you can spread it a little bit a uh, little bit uh, thinner uh, up top, then the bottom end's going to take some more. And you know, if you, you know, we we brought in someone like a Santorelli. There's a guy that you know before his injury last year was on pace for 20 goals. He scored 20 goals in the past. Right. Uh, if if uh, if he's playing, you know. He, I hate using third line, but third line minutes uh, with uh, with a David Booth or a Daniel Winnick, that's a more competitive and complete line than we were able to offer up last year. Uh, well, um, lots of talk, and um, it's um, all very interesting and useful. Uh, of course, the product will be displayed on the ice over the next couple of uh, uh, weeks in uh, preseason, or not even that long, and then uh, for real uh, very, very shortly. We wish you the best of luck this season, as we always do, and we'll look forward to... Uh, having the opportunity to chat once things get going for real. Thank you for this, too. Sounds good, and thanks for having me.